Welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Awards podcast, where we look at everyone's favorite award show, the MTV Movie Awards, the various films that get nominated for various categories, and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Grigg, a foremost kissing expert. And today we're looking at Best Kiss 2010. Or, actually 2011. Wow. Yeah, really no. getting into the tens now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, how are you doing today? I'm do- I'm doing good. Yeah, um, it's for the listener. It's Canadian Thanksgiving, so I've so I'd, I'm a student, but I haven't been in school lately. It's well, well, lately I mean literally like today's first of a few days off. Um, but yeah. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing really, really well. Yeah, like you said, it's uh, it's Canadian Thanksgiving. Had uh, some uh, a lovely dinner with my family yesterday. That was really nice. No kisses were had, though, unfortunately. It's not it's not a Greg tradition there to kiss food <laughs> to each other. <sighs> yeah, I know. We're not we're not a real cruel intentions family, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Um, so yeah, this is an this is an interesting year we got ahead of us because although five kisses were nominated, there's only four movies. Yeah, the uh, the Twilights who have been running the show for the past two or I guess three years now um, got two nominations for this one. Um, one between it really is uh, Team Edward versus Team Jacob, um, and also they have. They also have the Harry Potter movie that comes after the one that comes after the one that we watched for this list. Yeah, did you watch Half-Blood Prince in preparation? I did watch Half-Blood Prince in preparation. Because there was um, two Twilight nominations. There was like a movie gap um, that I did fill with with Harry Potter. Um, and I, apparently I had seen it before. I actually didn't know that until I watched it. Oh. Because I... Yeah, because I, I don't know if I described it on the podcast, but, like, my last memory of Harry Potter before this podcast was they're in, like, a like a cave, and there's, like, a jump scare. Um, and that's the scene where, like, he's feeding Dumbledore water. Like, that was the scene I was thinking of. So, apparently, I'd seen it before. I didn't remember anything about it until I watched it again, so, other than that scene. Yeah, I know he said, oh, that was probably all the fire, but I was thinking, like, oh, that actually sounds like Half-Blood Prince. But so you know, so he weren't like thrown when Deathly Hollows is suddenly like, all right, now time to look into Horcruxes. We all know Horcruxes. <laughs> no, I was I was pretty aware, and yeah, we'll I'll, we'll get into my my deeper thoughts about it when it comes up. I also, um, full disclosure for any of uh, if you have any Nolan heads out there, um, I did watch Inception, um, in two parts. I did watch, like, I want to say at least half of it, um, like, a couple weeks ago, and then I finished it up this week. Um, I don't feel like I lost out on much of anything. Um, Christopher Nolan movies are very long and exposition-heavy. They feel almost like a, a mini-series. So, I, I, I don't feel like I missed out on anything. Uh, if anything, it was kind of nice. It gave me a chance to, like, breathe and sort of, like, um, rest on, like, the, uh, the things in the movie. Yeah. It's. I'll, I'll say, I mean, as much as I typically watch Inception in one sitting, and 
it's definitely his most exposition heavy film, but it's very intentional where like the first hour is just them like laying down this is how the rules work, this is how it all works. And then when they actually get to like uh-huh. the dream high stuff, they immediately just start breaking those rules and everything just starts paying <laughs> off. It's like Oh yeah. yeah, it's yeah, those it's I don't did you ever see Tenant? Yeah. Uh, yes I did. Oh, so yeah, something that um this is not my thoughts, these are not original thoughts, but something that someone uh, proposed to me in that, like, I think why Inception's sort of silly concepts works, whereas Tenants don't. Whereas, like, you know in Tenant when they said, like, oh, don't touch your past self or you'll die or something like that? Yeah. Spoilers for Tenant. They never actually, like, show that. We never get to see that on, like, a small scale. Whereas I feel like in Inception, I feel like a lot of, like, the concepts get, like, a little, like... Like when they go like um oh uh, when they say like oh like if you're if they become aware like the subconscious becomes aware and like they all start looking at you like you get to see like small microcosms of that whereas in Tenet it's just like a lot of like people explaining things there's like so many points in Tenet where they just cut to that one lady um and then him and him and um oh my gosh who are who are the stars from Tenet um. Uh, John David Washington and thank you a, and Robert yeah. Robert Pattinson also oh yeah 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 um yeah like there's there's several scenes where they just like cut to cut to them and they just talk and then it cuts back to whatever they were doing yeah um I'll say I yeah. did not find time to be that exposition heavy actually and uh, it's it's actually a movie I love I love a lot and like it's not as much as inception but like it, oh, yeah. it's doing stuff and i would recommend people you have to watch it a second time for it to really sink in because the first time it's focused so much on going wait what is this that like it's easy to lose track of things but yeah um, maybe maybe i need to give it yeah. another watch but there's no kiss and tenet so i guess we have to move on <laughs> And look at yeah, <laughs> the two uh, yeah. So the 2011 MTV Movie Awards were held on June 5th and hosted by Jason Sudeikis. Um, then uh, SNL like another SNL cast member, comedian type, and now maybe best known to our listeners is Ted Lasso, um, the nice football but soccer to us like you know. North Americans coach. Um, are you like aware much of Ted Lasso at all, Ben? I, I I've seen him. I don't know. Or I'm oh, no, sorry. I've seen like clips. I've not seen the show. Yeah. Um. Like, I definitely. Yeah. I definitely saw like a poster for it, and like I thought for a second, I'm like, wait, that guy's name isn't Ted Lasso. Like I thought it was the name of the actor. Um. <laughs> I was like really confused. I was like, maybe he just kind of looks like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were saying. It would be insane to name a TV character Ted Lasso. That must be the actors. Oh. <laughs> Good show. Had a lot of internet discourse this season that I found kind of silly. On if there is no con- conflict, which people like five episodes on the twelve episode season are like, oh, there's no real conflict here. But um, yeah, but this is before like this time and. It doesn't seem like anything that memorable ha- happened. They they introduced best line from a movie, maybe, or maybe they're just saying it was included. Um, yeah. yeah, it also seems like someone 
might have vandalized the uh, the best kiss category because it says that it's uh, Rooney Mara and uh, Kylie uh, or Kyle Ga- Galner on my, uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street Instead in of place me. of Inse- Inception. Oh, that's kind of funny. Well, not as not as like in depth as the Scooby Doo one. Oh God. Yeah. Also, this is especially weird because it's like a, it's actually a movie in the correct era. It's believable. Um, if I were to use this as my source, other than the actual like list page, I might have gotten tricked. Ooh, Reese Witherspoon won the MTV Generation Award. So once again, like people we co- covered before getting recognized, and Emma Stone won Best Comedic Performance, being only the second female winner of that award award and the first one since two thousand one. So I assume that's for Easy A, like without looking, just. Wait, is the best comedic performance? That's what it says on the. Thing. Oh, I see. I oh yeah, it's Easy A. Yep, a hundred percent. Yeah, the first one since oh Reese Witherspoon won for Legally Blonde. Oh wait, I'm just realizing Reese Witherspoon was not really a best kiss nominee, but we had a conversation where I'm like, it's weird she isn't. Like. The... <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and also like it's 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 to make note of that like the best movie list is almost exactly synonymous with the best kiss list. Um, just trade out, like I guess trade out the uh, the second Twilight kiss with the Social Network, and like the lists are identical. Like every every kiss nomination got a nom for best movie. Wow, I I actually had not like noticed <laughs> that. That is like. Huh. Yeah. That's a that's definitely a first for the category. It's Yeah, good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Now if only the, if only there was a Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield kiss, you know, then that maybe we could have had a had a more uh a more kind of parallel year. Yeah. Um but without further ado there, I guess we can get into it. So for two thousand eleven best kiss. The nomin yeah. The nominees are Elliot Page and Joseph Gordon Levitt, Inception. Emma Watson and Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part One. Kristen Stewart and Taylor Lautner, The Twilight Saga, Eclipse. Natalie Portman and Ma- and, Ma- and Mila Kunis, Black Swan. And the winner. Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, The Twilight Saga, Eclipse. So, Ben, you really liked Eclipse, huh? I really did. I don't know what it was. Um, like, the dialogue in this movie is, like, kind of hilarious. Um, just, like, the way characters say things are, like, super funny. And, like, like these ancient vampires, like, using just, like, some crazy just like that's what she said type lingo just cracks me up for no reason it's just like it's i don't know there's something there's something maybe it's existed since the beginning and i'm just starting to notice it now but like i feel like there's a little bit of a new moon but no i really like this one um i like the werewolves um i like the werewolf family more than the vampire family. And I think that's why this movie was like way more fun for me. Um, it's maybe why, why I didn't vibe with like the first one. But that being said, like there are just like things I like about this movie more. Um, 
I think I wrote some of them down, but like, yeah, like, um, I like, like the two, I like the backstory about like the vampire, like, um, like you getting revenge on that one guy in like a wedding dress. That was super cool. Um, I like the, the werewolf story that got like reincorporated later into like the end of the movie. Um, this movie continues to like have team Jacob versus team Edward, like be the most one-sided thing ever. It's like, it's so weird. And like, I, it gets like, I think I clued into this a little bit later in the movie, but like the fact that, um, the fact that, uh, Jacob like knows, um, that Bella loves her. Like, that's like a power he has, right? Um, that's like something he, or is it, am I, am I spoil, are you going to spoil me if I answer that? No, no, I'm just not going to spoil you, but it's, but Edward, whose vampire ability is that he can read minds, uh, very pointedly cannot read Bella's mind, which is partly why he's drawn to her in the first place, because, like, she's a mystery to him. But, uh, like, so when he's like, I know you, lo- you love me more, that's just more like him going, I know we have, like, a good relationship, and, like... yeah. Um, it's just because, like, I, I don't know. I like. I assume that there's some sort of like werewolf ability where Jacob is able to like know that Bella loves him, and he know also knows that he she loves Edward as well. But like, those lines are initially delivered like he's insane. Like they aren't delivered <laughs> like I'm revealing a power. They're delivered like he's a psychotic person who's just saying, "I know you love me. I know you love me more." Like. Take away all the supernatural elements, and this is just, like, a crazy insane person. But I guess it's, like, it's, like, half of a half of a percent better that he's saying that in relation to, like, he actually does have, like, a superpower. And, like, the weird thing is, is that um, Bella and Edward's relationship is kind of weird and kind of shaky. Because, like, he's, like, thousands of years old, and, like, Bella's just graduating, like, high school. Like, there's definitely some, there's definitely a challenge that could be introduced there. It's just done in, like, the worst way imaginable. It is, like, the, like, it's so awful. Like, Jacob is, like, really possessive, and he's super petty. And that's, I think, another thing I really loved about this movie, is that he is, like, the most petty individual. He is literally the where-my-hug-at guy. It's insane, and I adored it. Yeah, see, okay, that explains it, because, like, I think as I said in previous episodes, Eclipse is one of the two Twilight movies I don't really like. Like, there's, you know, there's, like, fun stuff in it, kind of, but also it's a film where, despite this being the most plot-heavy Twilight film, where, like, it's a whole thing where, like, one of the characters from the first one is back for revenge and has this elaborate plan and is, like, turning a bunch of vampires and then there's all the conflict it, it it really just like none of it is like that interesting to me whereas like the last film like not much happens at all i'm like yeah yeah i'm into this like it's um uh yeah i think part of it's just like i'm not like when jacob's like petty like i'm just like oh get over it like when 
when he's like storming off and she's like wait no come back i'm like no why are you making him stay like it's i mean not not just because like i don't like the character but also because like give him some time to like cool off after after edward does the dick move of revealing they're engaged because he knows he's listening like but yeah <laughs> like the problem is is that like this it's not impossible for it to be like a genuine choice between edward and jacob but like the biggest the biggest problem it's none of the conceptual like if you were to take like like jacob without jacob is like the best option like she gets to keep all her friends she doesn't have to become this immortal being that never like dies of age which could be terrifying um but like jacob just ruins that entirely and like it's it's so weird like how there is like there is like a genuine like there are some moments in the movie where like it is like brought up to question that like yeah isn't bella kind of going into this too fast like she's like making like a pretty big decision and i don't know if like and she's being told by other people that like yeah this decision like it could like ruin your life there's so many things you're gonna miss out on you know and it's just like it's it it requires um a character like jacob for it to seem like the better option yeah that's the thing like it's it's never really uh, i mean and you know like and team jacob did seem to have like people on it maybe there's people who were like oh yeah J- jacob's the he also yeah, he also is shirtless more of the movie so that we can't act like that wouldn't play into a factor Oh yeah, this film has multiple, which is also funny because a lot of it is just at like during the winter. <laughs> yeah, um, and also something that this movie does that like this is sort of like this is like one I don't know if I brought it up in previous episodes, but like one of my biggest um, problems with like the vampires in Twilight is that like they don't really feel like they're thousands of years old. Like, they're a bit eccentric, but that's kind of it. But, like, there is, like... But this movie has, like, the scene where Edward is, like, talking to, like, Bella about how he's a little more, like, traditional. Which, like, makes sense considering... I'm I'm not... He's, like, hundreds of years old. Like, when he was... When he got immortalized, like, that was kind of the thing back then. And, like, it's, like, kind... I guess it's kind of neat that, like, I feel like it's, like, okay, this actually makes... I actually starting to now feel like okay maybe these guys are like old because <laughs> I feel like most of the movie they just kind of like act like regular people and like I guess that makes sense if they've like they're not gonna like be like completely oblivious to the outside world like they've existed in it for a really long time I just wish there were more little neat things to like differentiate them from like just any weird eccentric person yeah and yeah it is kind of nice that they get into the thing I'll say Edward isn't really well, he's definitely over a hundred, but he's not like hundreds. His his character was like kind of turned into a vampire in uh, nineteen eighteen, according to Wikipedia. But oh, okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah no, see, like that makes sense, and I like that a lot. Yeah, it's it's still like a crazy. You know, he still has like a lot of different experience, but it's it's not like he was like some seventeen hundreds person. But yeah, I do you think that conflict is. In, interesting and 
So it is funny that like she does accept his proposal pretty quickly considering like the beginning of the film is just her going, No, no, I'm like way too like it's like that's way too quick. Everyone's gonna th- just think I'm pregnant, which yeah, um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, and like Yeah, this movie. Um I don't know, this movie just like scratched a certain itch for me. And like I think it's maybe I'll need to go back um and watch the other ones i do feel like it's the one it's definitely the one that has like the least um the least identity it sort of just feels like every it feels like a lot of other movies whereas like the first twilight as much as i don't really like it it's super unique it's like very unique whether that's whether that's like the colors of it um whether that's just sort of like like how scenes sort of come together like the music, like it has a very strong identity. Um, this one doesn't really have that, but I end up enjoying it a lot more. Yeah. Okay. Also in this one, in this one they say alpha male, which is really funny. <laughs> yeah. Love a good, love a good alpha male. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> also, the, <laughs> there's a scene in this movie where, <laughs> where. Jacob has to cuddle Bella in front of Edward. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. And I wrote this down. I want to make sure I didn't forget. The scenes where just Edward and Jacob are talking are really good. I really like them. I think they have, like, like most scenes, um, I would say Jacob is, like, super petty. And, like, there's always this, like, really, like, weird, like, kind of um, undertone of, like, uncomfortability. But, like, I don't know, like despite the scene itself being super awkward, like, the conversation between them is, like, very nonchalant and, like, very fun. And I hope we get, like, more of that later down the line. Yeah, um, Taylor Lautner is still definitely the weakest link, but he and Robert Pattinson actually have good chemistry, like... Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of, like, reluctant allies, like, kind of just bitter people. And... This carries over for what was actually kind of the best kiss acceptance speech where, you know, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson again and just up there were like, well, guess we have to do this again. Even though they, they really haven't, didn't do it much the first two times, but then suddenly Kristen Stewart is like, actually, you know what? She's like, I think there's someone who like, who you might want to kiss a bit more, more tonight, like something like that. And then Robert Pattinson's like, yeah, okay. Then he goes into the audience and finds Taylor Lautner, and they just make out for, like, ten seconds. It's really good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. everyone's just going nuts. <laughs> and, like, Chris and Sue's just watching it and, like, laughing. And just, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And then, oh. yeah, and then you know, it's just, like, oh, thank you, thank you. And, like, they go up. But it's like, oh, it's nice they let him, like, get included. And, like... Honestly, that was probably the best kiss, but we don't nominate the like acceptance speeches. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, of course it wouldn't be it wouldn't be fair. Yeah, <laughs> but the kisses he, here, like both of them, were actually good. It's kind of two different. I mean, well, well, well. There's like a bit of weirdness with the Jacob one, though. I'm sure they nominated the correct kiss, and yeah, yeah. So like. There is a kiss early on where, like, uh, Jacob just sort of just, like, goes in for it 
and like Bella doesn't like it and like punches him in the face but like hurts her hand doing it because he's a werewolf and therefore made of stone um oh yeah a... <laughs> um and then like later on in the movie there's like a bunch better kiss on top of a mountain that's like very sweeping um and like pretty and it's done it's done like so i guess jacob doesn't run away um but it's 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 actually like a consensual kiss which is you know bonus points i guess um put the leagues above the other one um and then for the other kiss though which one do you think it is um i was i mean i was going with kind of the one in the beginning where they're in there famous flower field and it's and it's kind of just and there's kind of just like a lot of stuff while he's running air to ma- marry him like kind of just a sweet one do you think yeah Is oh there... i thought it was the one the one um in the bedroom i thought it was uh or i guess there was two in the bedroom it was the second one uh oh. later in the movie i thought it was that one. Oh, oh yeah that could be that one as well it's yeah. a few a few months ago, i might not be rem- remembering that but yeah feel free to use that one for your for your judges but yeah i think at this point like the bella edward kiss is like really really good like it's oh yeah absolutely yeah i'll say the mountain kiss probably was a bit more like you know kind of desperate passion just because of circumstances but hearing some really solid like relationship kisses from like bella and edward in this one yeah absolutely um yeah uh, I'm trying to go. I'm going through all my notes to make sure I said everything I said about this movie. Um, yeah, I like this one the most out of all three of them so far. Um, but like I said, it does have like the least identity. Um, but yeah, both kisses were like both kisses were pretty good. They're pretty good contenders, honestly. Um, yeah, it's I like seeing the werewolves and the vampires help each other while fighting the other werewolves. This movie probably could have used with a little better i think art direction is the right word to use there should have been like way more of like a visual distinction between like the bad vampires and the good vampires um it maybe would have been like a little contrived but like there should have been like there should have been uh like a visual like motif or something among like the newer vampires like maybe they all it could be intentional. Yeah. It could be coincidental. They all wear I black would... hats. Exactly. I don't care how contrived it would be. It just made that scene like really hard to follow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, especially because it's like, because like I was just expect like I was like, how do the werewolves not accidentally bite a good one? Because they all it all looks like a mess sometimes. Um, and then like I think like Jacob in wolf form gets his like shoulder broken or he gets something dislocated and he has to get it like put back in place um and they really missed a good opportunity for him to be howling instead of screaming when he's getting it set in place um <laughs> yeah that's that a real failing of this movie <laughs> yeah really like really yeah. let me down there yeah also <laughs> also did you notice that the actress who played like victoria was suddenly different from the first movie just like I did not, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're like, wait, this person was in another movie. Just... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, that also, like, 
they say like and i guess this kind of sort of goes into my other point about there not being this might have been something that maybe there was subtle detail put into it that i just couldn't appreciate because of like the visual clutter of it all but like they kept on saying that like on new bloods like they fight much harder like they're 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 rabid but like really didn't seem like that they just kind of fought like the regular vampires more or less um i did like that like vampires like are made of glass i really like that that's like that's a neat visual thing i really enjoyed that like when they get like if you get your head ripped off it's like glass that's super cool oh yeah that oh yeah that kind of stuff is fun makes you reading you're like wow more decapitations (laughs) (laughs) exactly but yeah um wait um you're allowed to spoil this for me does Twilight have a Dracula? Hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I don't think they do, but there's, like, something that, like, influence... I think there's characters that kind of influenced it, because part, of... part of the last film, which I don't think we cover, is, the... is they're in conflict with the Italian vampires, and they need to gather their allies... So you meet, like, a bunch of different vampires from, like, different cultures. And I want to think that some are, like, Romania or, like... And it's not, like, literally Dracula, but maybe they were the inspiration for it. I might be making this okay. all up, but... <laughs> That's why it never happened. <laughs> yeah, so this is what... I mean, I'm not making up oh, they travel around, because, like, literally, it's, like, a 20-minute sequence where they, like, are just going to, like, different vampires pyres, and, like, oh, hey, hey, but... But yeah, it's. I don't think there's like a classical Dracula there. Um, okay, and then um, so like the uh, the bad guy from this movie, he was he in the first movie? Um, the like wait. the 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 guy who's like making the small army. Uh, no, he he I believe is new. Technically, the bad. I mean. I would say the bad guy there is more Victoria, who's, like, new. Yeah, yeah. But she, but yeah, no, Riley is someone who, like, he had changed, he had changed, I I don't think he pops up. Yeah, he, like, first shows up in, like, Eclipse, I believe, and then. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think my only other note that I didn't mention is that I just put guns, question mark, question mark. Um, I think while watching, I was like, I wish these vampires had guns. Um, I think that'd be really, really neat. <laughs> oh. yeah, yeah, just get them from Bella's dad, who we never talk about, but Billy Burke is Charlie Swan's definitely like the best character, right? Like, it's... Oh yeah, he definitely is super duper fun every time he's on screen. He, my one gripe, is that he looks too young. Um, but that might be intentional. Um, but yeah, like, but he is like, he, he is, he's not as supportive as the J.K. Simmons dads we've gotten, but he is a good dad. Yeah, and it's understandable, like, his thing is usually just like, what's all this weirdness going on in the town? Like, why do people just keep mysteriously dying? Like, it's, that might be it for Eclipse, which I want to think is going to be our the most we've talking and talked about a twilight movie yet so if you've been been wishing we've gone longer on the first two well you got wish granted um yeah exactly yeah but next up we can move on to inception um 
Yeah, I think this movie is uh, pretty good. Did you end up watching the Black Mirror episode White Christmas? I did not. So you, oh, so this is a film like you wanted to bring that up for? You think it's like White Christmas? Um, yeah, because there's, well, an aspect of it. So, like, the concept of, like, the, I can't remember if they had a name for it, um, but, like, the concept of going, like, so many dreams deep that, like, you're essentially in this, like, infinite realm where, like, you, like, you could spend thousands of years, but, like, it lasts, like, a microsecond in the real world. Um, that is, like, that is 100%, like, a concept that it is explored in that Black Mirror episode. I won't go any more in depth than that. Um, go watch it; it's amazing. Um, but I find that concept incredibly interesting, and I kind of wish this movie did a little more with it, with that one. But I, I, I understand that like this movie is about a lot. Yeah. Um, so like, I get that like it can't focus on everything, um, and like it already has like a pretty pretty expansive one time but i just like i kind of wish that like we could spend more time with like um it's, it's ken uh what uh watanabe mr sato yeah yep when he sort of gets trapped in there for a little bit and he's like an old man and like him and leonardo dicaprio are talking um i wish there's just a little more in that because i think and this, I guess this goes for Twilight as well. I think the concept of, like, human or humanoid characters existing for hundreds of years, or maybe even thousands, is, like, what that would do to the mind is such an interesting concept. But I feel like we only get a really weird scene where, like, uh, Mr. Sat, uh, Sato is just, like, old. And then, like, I guess he was only, maybe he was only there for, he honestly could have just been there for, like, 30 years, and he would have maybe looked like that. Um, or, may, like, there's no implication of how long he was there. Like, he just kind of seems like, he just seems like an old man, and not like somebody that has, like, had this existential dread of amount of time. It's just, like, it's such an interesting, cool concept that, like, that's my favorite part of the movie, but that takes, like... That takes such a backseat to, like, dream within a dream and gunfights. Yeah. I mean, part of Leonardo DiCaprio's character's whole backstory is, like, he did spend, like, hundreds of years in the yeah. psych realm. I really like that. I really like that. I just wish we could have seen, sort of, I think we were talking, did we? Was this? Oh my gosh, I'm having, like, a, I'm having a senior moment. Did we talk about in the podcast, did we talk about, about Tenet, or was that before we hit record? No, this was literally on mic. <laughs> okay, great. Fantastic. I couldn't remember. It happened, like, right at the beginning. Um, yeah. But, like, I wish we got to see, like, a small... I wish we got to see more of, like, the small microcosm example of what happened to Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I wouldn't even be super opposed to, like, maybe the film just completely breaks for a moment and we just get to see, like, a... Just maybe even a dialogueless like... How long would it need to be? Like, ten minutes of Mr. Uh, Mr. Sato, Ken uh, Watanabe? Like, just him existing for, like, an in, in for like an indescribable amount of time and, like, what that would do to him slowly and, like, him just, like, dealing... And, like, how he would sort of process that. Um, 
that would sort of be what I would be uh, would be looking for, I guess. Hmm, interesting. See, uh, I'm not opposed to that just because I think like Ken Watanabe is like really great in this, and the dynamic between him and Leonardo DiCaprio is one like I really love, and uh, you know, I like I want to say no to more of that, but also like I I think you have the idea. Like he's been there so long, he's kind of forgotten a bit who he is. Maybe that's why yeah. he looks aged. But yeah, it it's funny because even though like it begins like it begins with him seeing him as like an old man and then he's like oh i remember he's like i remember and then it and then like so much else happens that every time they get back to that i'm like oh right this is where we began like the like like the first time i watched inception i definitely forgot that that's how the movie had started and when it gets there i'm like oh yeah like because i'm just so taken in by all the other stuff going on and it's interesting because I'll say there is like a lot of compelling stuff in this film maybe fighting for time and maybe if like they weren't trying to be as ambiguous with what the ending is they they could have had a bit more to show like kind of just Sato trying to adjust to being back in the world again yeah also it's not ambiguous the thing's clearly about to fall come on Come on. Yeah, I also the, land the, on that. Definitely yeah, that it's false. It, like, what is it going to do? Bounce back up? Like, it was clearly... I could bring out a screenshot. I could draw the math out. It's going to fall. Come on. Um, yeah. And then something this movie... And, like, I guess it's just really hard to do in live action. But, like... And, like, this movie, I guess it does, like, a pretty okay job of having, like, a variety of sets. But, like... I'm not sure. And, like, I guess there is the excuse that, like, these dreams are literally constructed by um, Elliot Page. Yeah. So, like, but, like, I don't know. Dreams are so much more abstract than that. And it would be kind of neat that, like, um, and, like, I guess they do, they do do some of, like, the, the Doctor Strange-esque kaleidoscope type stuff, like, early on. But, like, I kind of wish that, like, you know, when, like, he's starting to wake up, how everything's sort of... Or I guess, like, when... I guess there are, like, a lot of examples of something happening in the outside world that, like, affect, like, the in-dream world. Like, when they're going off the bridge, everything starts floating. Like, when they start shaking, the building starts collapsing and stuff like that. But, like, I wish there were just, like, more interesting, like, abstract things that could happen when, like, the dream starts to break, you know? Um, but I guess that might, that might just be me asking too much from this movie that already does a lot. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'm giving you a whole heist film and then an elaborate dream, dream thing and a big original sci-fi blockbuster that's like going, that basically <laughs> gives Nolan permission to do whatever he wants for the rest of his career. Like, it's, what more do you want? <laughs> yeah, I just... I don't know. I guess, like, the sets are pretty interesting. I just... I don't know. The fact that, like... Every, I wish there was, like, some more... I wish they could have a dream that took place in some place where they had to use swords or something. Like, the fact that it's always guns. It's just, like, this movie is at its least, least interesting almost every time when it's just a gunfight. Um, like... This movie is at its most interesting when it's, like, um, uh, Gordon Levitt having to, like, rearrange all the people because they're in air, so there's not really, like, 
there's no gravity at the moment. Like, there's no down. So, like, him having to, like, cry. That's really fun. Um, sort of, I really like the scenery of, like, the... I think it's, like, the lowest, the lowest dream state. Or, like, the second lowest dream state where it's just that... It's that collapsing city that Leonardo DiCaprio built. Uh, okay. That's, like, that's really cool imagery. I really like that. Um, but, like... And, I, like... <laughs> I, I, I kind of... I like Tom Hardy's uh, character. Um, like, how he, like, he sort of just, like... He's, like, the guy that impersonates people. Like, that's really fun. Um, Tom Hardy star of the movie that came out recently, Let There Be Carnage, Venom 2. Ah. Um, <laughs> Did you see? Have you seen that yet? It's I have not. I heard it's not very good. But I also um, heard you that about heard the first wrong. one. Just... Okay, I I needed your opinion on it because like I I don't trust people because some people just don't know how to have fun. Oh, um. <laughs> you'll have a great time with Venom too. Like my issue with Venom One is Tom Hardy's performance is just like insane, and then the rest of the movie's like a boring superhero film. And then this one is like Woody Harrelson's like biting people and just is <laughs> well, well he bites like Eddie once and then I get something and he's like I know what blood tastes like and that's not it and that's how like carnage kind of starts <laughs> but like it's <laughs> yeah uh, also I guess we should um the kiss in this is just sort of meaningless like yeah it's I'll say it's I not... love this film it. It doesn't make a lot of sense as a best kiss nominee. Like it's No, not at all. Like the kiss for context, I think they're like I think they're at this point they are two or three dream layers deep. Um they're in like an office type building. And like Ellie or uh yeah, Elliot Page and Joseph Gordon Levitt just like kiss to like because like the the subconscious is starting to become aware a little bit. And it's like two seconds, and then they go right back into their conversation. Yeah, it's like a distraction thing to keep them like to to keep them from getting like attacked. And yeah, it's funny because like yeah, because when I saw that, I'm like, wait, they kissing that? Because Elliot Page and Joseph Gordon-Levitt don't even. I mean, they like, have a, a bit of a relationship, especially as they're both kind of the ones who are aware. Oh. Maybe Leonardo DiCaprio isn't the person who should be leading us on like this mission for various reasons, um, but but like as far as relationships go, it it's not even like the third most important relationship in the film. Um, yeah, not at all. Third or like it, like Leonardo DiCaprio and Elliot Page. Um, obviously, well, their bond is more just kind of like. You know, it's more kind of on a mentor-mentee level, and and like kind of the character he's playing just kind of gets Leo on like this deep level that uh, you know I think is really in- interesting there, where you you know just the idea of like when you've seen someone's damage and you've see someone's like trauma, kind of how it sort of bonds you to them a bit, like. Mm-hmm. The Leo stuff in this movie is like is my favorite. I guess my favorite parts of it um, would be that, like the yeah, like sort of like I guess like sort of the twists of like like he's the one that implemented the idea um, into his wife. Like those are really awesome. Um, yeah, it's 
This is a film that I I think this and also kind of the prestige is what maybe Dark Knight as well, but like this is kind of thing that gives Nolan the rep as as like the dead wife guy who keeps like putting dead wives in his film. But (laughs) I do think the Mal stuff is like interesting in this, and Marianne Cotillier like plays the role well. I'll say my favorite part of Inception is it is essentially a heist movie where the heist is to give like one person emotional closure with his dead father. Like, yeah, <laughs> I like that. I think the concept is really, really cool. And yeah. like, yeah, I know um, you said you like Tenet. I think this is like one of the biggest problems for me with Tenet is that there's like, there's no real core um, goal or idea. Whereas, like, Inception, like, it's in the name. Like, the ent- everything is sort of built around this idea of, like, giving someone an idea that they think that they can... Or, like, making leading someone to conclusions in their brain. Whereas with Tenet, it feels like... Oh, sorry. And with Inception, that is so interwoven into everything that they do. Um, my problem with Tenet is that it feels like, like the time going backwards stuff is just sort of, like on top of like a guy who just kind of wants to blow up the world um we're like there's no really like the core concept is like i maybe i need to give it another watch because like it was super confusing but i feel like there's just no it's just not really like there's no sort of core thing to like ground everything you know it's all very in the air it's all it's like it's abstract concepts based off abstract concepts based off like, like fictional science. Um, um, I'll say like I think yeah the core concept of Tenet. What was nice about that the guys being backed by people from like the future whose whole thing is, well we yeah we wrecked the planet so like our only uh, option now is to like kind of just turn back and try and destroy the past, which is either going to end everything or just make everything awesome for us. And yeah, it's like, yeah. And like destroying the past, like it would be awesome if we could see like a microcosm of what that would look like, like destroy, destroy a little bit of the past and let us see what that does. Uh, Yeah. I'll say like, I'll maybe like the time, time thing like isn't quite there, but I think Tenet has like more going on than you're giving it credit, credit for. And, it's similar thing to where I'm like, man, it's the stuff where like this guy's just trying to come to the grips like with his father is really compelling. I think Tenet's like what's really good is when it's ultimately revealed in to be it's a friendship story between Robert Pattinson yeah. and the guy. Like I, I really like that. And also like there is definitely a lot going on. Like that is undeniable. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that there is like a lot going on. And there's probably stuff that I missed. I just, I feel like from my one-time viewing, I got way more out of Inception. Yeah, I've, again, I've seen, yeah, and I've seen Tenet like three times, so I like I got a bit more going on, but I'll say Inception is like be- better. I, it's, it's really, it's a really good movie to see on, in big screen. Like, I definitely watched this film like in the summer when it had come out. And then last year, like I was able to have the opportunity to kind of just, see it in theaters again for the re-release and it was again just really cool i'm like oh yeah this is great um and going back to like the yeah flower stuff i'll say even though you know it's fake but that scene where like he's just there with his dad and he's telling him like all the stuff he wanted to hear like it, get, it gets me every time where he's like 
Like, I'm not mad that you didn't live up to me. It's like, I'm mad that you didn't make your own thing with your life. That you even tried rather than have your own path. And I'm like, oh man, this is like a good, like, heist, heisting goal. Yeah, I really like that. Um, I also like the, the scene where the, everything, they all come back. Like, that's also like, man, like that is like, it's such a, um, it's such like a weird sobering shock to the system. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, the film is also good. Like, I don't know if you got this just in two parts, but again, the first half is really good at like explaining. Well, it explains a lot. But there's still stuff like they're constantly being chased by people that you only have a vague context for, which some people argue as yeah. to the idea that like, well, well, one thing I've heard about this film is it is kind of structured even when they're like supposed to be in the real world, it is kind of structured like a dream where, you know, there's always kind of that threat going on, but you're always just kind of starting in the middle of scenes and like they, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. They do kind of give you, give you that stuff, but yeah. um, Great movie. I would not have nominated it for best kiss. Surely there had to be something else in 20, like, Ten, you could give it for this. Just really felt like them going. Well, we well we obviously we need to get this like the biggest blockbuster of the year in there. I'm like, oh yeah, like there was definitely uh, it was definitely a pick for the movie, not for the kiss. Yeah, maybe it should have been a nightmare on Elm Street. Maybe and like I may you know what this actually like is intriguing me a little bit. I kind of want to try and find a copy to see if maybe the Wikipedia is wrong. Because that movie did come out and it did get nominated for other things that like make sense. Either this is like really elaborate troll or there's actually a mistake going on. I will do my research and we will add an addendum to the next episode if uh, if we find out that it is true. Yeah. To say I am reasonably confident that like this is the correct kiss because like, uh yeah, and uh, it might just be someone who thought and uh, actually. It's crazy. Maybe this is a Scooby Doo thing where someone's like, "I don't know when Elm Street needs, Elm Street needs to get its due." Because I do just don't think that film had like the cultural like staying power to have that, you know, to get that many nominations. Like it's yeah, especially in twenty ten. Um. Oh, hold on. Um, sorry, I'm just. Looking through the editing and in the history, there's like something that's where the note says, not nominated or funny, stop vandalizing. So going to see, oh, okay, no, it's someone keeps trying to like nominate like Fred from Fred the Movie in Best Actor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we got people on the front lines defending this Wikipedia page for it. I wouldn't think there'd be somebody so active, but I'm glad that there is. Yeah. Um, but next, I guess, like, if we've covered Inception as much as we need to, then, yeah, next we have Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows, part one. A movie with a very weird kiss like uh, get nominated here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess small spoilers for like the next kiss. Um, but like the Twilight kisses were the only ones that were real this year. 
all the other ones either happened in a dream or in a hallucination or an apparition. Like, the Twilight Kisses were the only ones that happened, like, in reality this year. Yeah, it really is a dream year, though. I mean, I do think the Black Swan Kiss is, like, really good, but, like, we'll, we'll get yeah, to that. Yeah. We'll get to that when we get there, yeah, absolutely. But the Deathly like... Hollows one, and, like, normally, again, we talk about the movie a bit before we get to it, but, like, you kind of have to lead with the fact that, like, it's it's Rupert Grint is having, like, this Horcrux is showing him, like, a nightmare, like, just nightmare form that takes the form of, like, his deepest fears of, like, what Harry and Hermione really think of him. And then those two nightmare versions of these characters start making out with each other. Like, it's... Yeah. Also, um, if you could help me sort of split my brain, um, that new teacher who, like, was really close to, um, to Voldemort, that was in Half Blood Prince, right? I can't remember his name at the moment. Yeah, there was like, yeah, Slughorn, Horace Slughorn. Thank you, Slughorn. It's I think something that sort of, and like this movie. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this movie doesn't really have like a a central new character. It kind of just follows like the a good chunk of it is just following the main three, which is whittled down to the main two for a lot of it. Um, just sort of trying to find these Horcruxes. Like, am I wrong that there was no... Like, because the... Um, what was it? The one that we watched before. Um, the Order of the Phoenix had... Um, oh, what's her name? It's... Uh, Umbridge. She's Umbridge. in this one. Yeah, she is in this one. But, like, I feel like these movies are sort of helped by, like, a, a new character that sort of... Um, that sort of can... Is sort of very integral to, like, the main the main plot of like the story whereas this one didn't really have that so like a Uh, lot of this movie for better or for worse kind of felt like meandering around a little bit yeah i mean it's also because this is like the first half of like the book kind of but yeah i think i think in my notes it was like kind of boring hopefully sequel saves it because like just not a lot happens um, Would you be surprised if I told you that this is actually one where a lot of people think this is the one of the best films? Like I mean, I can definitely see it. If you love these characters, like if you, especially if you love like the main three, like this is an immensely fun one. Yeah. Um, um, you've never read the books, right? Like, it's... I had my dad read them to me when I was very little, but no, I have not read them. Yeah. So th- this is partly just a case where like. It's the last book, and it is one where, and I think when you're like, well, yeah, normally there's a new character and stuff, it's not even always, oh, there's a new character. It's normally, the, the books are like, have the structure of this is a school year, and the big thing Deathly Hollows does is they they don't spend that time in school. Like, it's, they're planning to run, they're planning to just go on the run. Like, even before Voldemort takes over, their plan is they're going to just sneak off and do this Horcrux hunt instead of going back to school for their last year. But then Voldemort kind of, again, like, takes over. And I'll say there are a couple of new characters. Luna Lovegood's dad, I think, kind of takes that thing where he's the one who's kind of delivering crucial exposition to them. But he's also, like, not in a lot of it. It's really just kind of that sequence, which 
is it's funny because like it's near the end of the movie but it's also explaining why the film's called and the deathly hollows where i'm like oh yeah structurally it is weird that this is happening so late in the film like it's yeah it it's like i don't know i i'm trying to think maybe i was on a little bit of harry potter burnout because i just finished um half-lit prince when i watched this but like I don't know. I just feel like this movie, just like, it's one of those things where I hope the next movie kind of recontextualizes a lot and like makes me enjoy it a lot more. I was like, the next one has more momentum. Part of it as well is because, is a lot, like, a lot of this film is just them wandering in the forest, not being sure what to do, which is also a big part of the book that I think some people get like frustrated by. And, you know, you know, like it's kind of like compelling, but when you're like, oh, it is meandering. That is at least partly by design, where like a lot of it's like them going, oh, whoops, we don't actually have a plan. We don't actually know what the stuff is. We're kind of just gonna bump around and yeah. kind of just hope to figure it out. Yeah, and I really. Whereas, yeah, where yeah, and that's why I really oh, no, hope that like a lot of like the the stuff in this movie is like really purposeful and I feel like it hopes to enhance the next one. Um, I feel like, yeah, maybe this movie, maybe part one and part two played one after the other would be a little better. Um, it's just like, yeah, I feel like, like the Harry Potter, Harry Potter movies usually have like a certain, like, yeah, like you said, like energy to them where like things are kind of moving forward. There's always like a, a very clear, there's always, I think like you said, since like the, the fourth or third one, there's always been this sort of background looming presence. But there's usually also a, a much smaller, more encapsulated one. Whereas I feel like this movie, like a majority of it, is sort of trying to uh, tackle like the major conflict. But like you said, when like a lot of the movie, when like they don't actually have a plan, it's sort of can it can feel it was a little boring for me. But I could definitely understand where someone. If you if you love the main three, if you love these characters, like this would actually probably be really really fun for you, for someone that enjoys that. Yeah, are you going to just like the idea of them doing something different and that you know and that there is kind of like a lot of con- conflict with them? Oh, I'll, I'll say this film like you yeah you might like the last one more more because the last one is kind of just it's very quick quick paced even even though over like roughly half of it is done on kind of the big final battle because something I you something you want to know is while the they did do kind of part one and part two um I would say roughly like 65 like 60 to 70 percent of the book is kind of covered here like it's definitely more than oh, okay. half and then part two is like by the time they get to part two there is one set piece left before all the hogwarts stuff kicks in and it's like a killer set piece where they break where they have to break into like a bank but like it's it is one where and i get why you end this one with them like escaping the malfoy house and kind of the death of dobby because like if you're splitting it into two, then maybe you don't want to end it on like the big cliffhanger of them all being captured. But like, it also still makes for a pretty sudden stop to the film where they they like get out and they're like, "Well, Dobby's dead." Um, 
Oh, and then I guess Voldemort gets Dumbledore's wand. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the big cliffhanger, but... But yeah, it's kind of structurally off. I'm trying to trying to think. What else is there to say? Um, oh yeah, because I didn't say this enough in the first one. Obviously, J.K. Rowling bad. Like it's, uh, I do have like a soft spot for this franchise and these movies, but yeah, J.K. Rowling, yeah. educate yourself oh, if wow. you're listening to this podcast. Like. Wow, I didn't just realize from that your the, the fact that wizards pooped themselves and then magic it away pissed you off that much, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't No, I, I, I agree. Um, uh, definitely going to look back and be like, oh, that's... Yeah, weak. and... Oh, something I was like... Wondering how he felt is... How did you feel when the beginning of the movie is suddenly introducing several people who definitely weren't in past films, but now are... Oh, yeah, like the the whole party scene with, like, members of Dumbledore's family? Um, yeah, well, the Order of the Phoenix. Well, oh, oh, yeah, well, that was just kind of, yeah, the wedding at Ron's where all of a sudden Bill, (laughs) Bill Weasley is, like, a character, despite, like... And Bill Weasley is in the books. You do get to kind of know more of him there. Um, He's also in the one Harry Potter mobile game that I... I think I talked about this in Order of the Phoenix, but I'm just too far into it to, like, stop now, (laughs) even though it's, like, a... Like, too far into, like, the story. And he's, like, a big character there, and you gotta know him. It's like, uh... It's like Kingdom Hearts. I don't know much about that series, but I do know that there's, like... There's one mobile game that you can't get anymore that has, like, probably one of the most crucial plot elements hidden away in it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what's the most kingdom hearts oh, thing man. in the world little side tangent about kingdom yeah. hearts i am uh, i think i can say with confidence that i i arms crossed i don't like that series just because like <laughs> i love stupid convoluted stories i think they're awesome i just wish that the stupid convoluted stories like got to intermingle with the disney stuff like i wish it, I, there was hooded anime figures that were hanging out with uh, with James Woods, uh, Hades, like more, but like my pro- you're just mad, Sora with <laughs> Smash Rovers instead I am of Dante. Mad about that. Um, but I yeah, like Sora doesn't even seem like a bad character. I just hate seeing Kingdom Hearts fans happy. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Matt, if you're listening to this. Yeah, my 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 big problem with Kingdom Hearts is that it feels like it's two different games that got mashed into one it's like it's like all the disney stuff is like if you took it out the plot doesn't change and i want that not to be the case i want um and i think the third one may do this a little more but like i want buzz from toy story to be like integral to the plot i want him to like have a MacGuffin that like is required or something like i want that i want like Mufasa to be hanging out with Sephiroth. Like, that's what I want. <laughs> I went to check the runtime and we've only been recording for like an hour and six minutes. I'm like, oh yeah, we can talk about Kingdom yeah. Hearts. Uh, I, I, um, disclaimer for any for any KH heads out there. Um, I have not beaten the first one yet. I'm like one level away, but I'm grinding for like the Omni Keyblade and it's so tedious. I hate it. I'll finish it one day though.
yeah, you'll you'll finish it one day. Um, but yeah, Harry Potter. Um, this, yeah, like uh, it's a film I enjoy. It's, oh, well, I can really get get into as someone like who was big into the books. This is kind of the book I had the biggest journey to kind of getting because, um. I kind of alluded to this in the Order of the Phoenix episode where in the summer of 2007 when this book came out, I was in St. Louis for several weeks. And then I was also... So I had gone to like St. Louis for a week and then I had gone to camp for a week. And that the and on the day I was getting back from camp was the day that Deathly Hollows was getting released into like bookstores. So before we had... So before I had gone up I'd given my dad all the leftover money I had from St. Louis in American dollars. I'm like, yeah, if you could convert this for me and then buy, like, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows and then bring it up to camp. And then he's like, well, if I have time, like, he's like, I don't know if I'm going to actually bring it up to camp. You might have to wait till you get home. I'm like, I'm like, no, no, you should bring it up to camp. And then he's like, oh, okay. and cut to like end of camp and I'm just kind of waiting for them to get there and then my family shows up and the first indication I had that they had in fact brought the book up to camp with them because as as like arduous as it was to get that book in bookstores where there was long lines they also used to just put those Harry Potter books everywhere like my dad was just in like a Safeway and he saw a big pile and it's like well might as well so all of a sudden after agreeing my family, kind of, and I, this has been immortalized because my friend, like, literally wrote it down and made, like, a Facebook note of it later because she thought it was so funny. But there was a thing of me, like, bursting from the dining hall, like, running in the direction of the car. My little sister going, Kenny, wait, you don't even know where it is. I mean, just going, my mind will guide me. Because <laughs> I'm like, I knew where it was. Like, I knew where the parking lot was, like, the camp. And then I like, just ran all the way to the car. But then it became a thing where, I was on the way home, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna read this, I got, like, I'm behind, I gotta, like, get into it. And my dad's like, hmm, so, how was camp? And I'm like, um, I, I'm, I wanna read this. And in, in retrospect, I now realize, I'm like, okay, it was reasonable for him to, like, want to interact with his son who he hadn't seen in, like, a couple weeks. Even if I had a book going on, it was a thing where I'm trying to read in the car. He's trying to interact with me, and then we like could stop for food. And so he's like, "Well, you can't read while you're eating." I'm like, "I mean, I think I can, but I like listen." And then he's like, "Hey, he's like, oh, I know. How about you just read it out to me while like I drive?" Because he also read the books, and I'm like, "I'm like, I'm on chapter three. He's like, "What?" He's like, "How do you get that quick?" I'm like, "I'm like, I'm moving, man," but. I did go back and read the first chapter, and then it got to a point where I think when he picked it up, he's like, yeah, and then we're going swimming, but he said it like it was a joke, because I'm like, I've been gone for two weeks, clearly he's not going to, like, make me go swimming, and then we were getting, it's like, yeah, so we're almost at the house, he's like, no, no, we're going swimming, remember, I told you, and I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, can you drop me at home? He's like, well, that's not really in the direction of the pool. So, this is where, like, Initially, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably in the wrong here. But at this point, I'm like, okay, this is where, like, my dad has admitted 
Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have, like, driven you to, like, a pool. And then we also went to the mall afterwards. And then I had to walk my sister to across the street from the mall where my mom worked so she could get permission to, like, sleep over with a friend she had randomly bumped into in the mall. And it was there was kind of a time crunch to do that because it was, like, mom's work was closing soon and we were, like, going on foot. And my sister was in foot flip-flops and couldn't run. And I've hated flip-flops ever since. But just all these distractions, like, just getting thrown at me. And all I wanted to do was just read the, like, last Harry Potter book. <laughs> but I did finish that book by 2 in the morning that night. Which, that book wasn't as long as Order of the Phoenix. But it still was definitely 600 pages long. And I'm like, wow, I don't know if I could read, do ever do that again. But it's kind of impressive. Yeah. Oh, and at the swimming pool, my dad eventually did just let me go back to the car after he was like, yeah, come into the water. And I just like sat in the water looking miserable for half an hour or however long it was because I just wanted to go back to that book. Um, I think that's about it. I think with, yeah. So I think we said all we can say about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows part one, unless you got anything no, else. I think I said it's... about all I want to say about it. Yeah, again, really weird kiss. We we kind of like rush over it because it was at the beginning, but it's super funny. It got nominated. Oh, yeah. like, when I tell people it's not nominated, <laughs> they're like, "Wait, what kiss?" Especially because there's literally a like regular romantic kiss in the film between like Harry and Ginny. Like, yeah, I was like, because I I didn't know anything going into it, and I thought there was going to be like, I thought it was going to be like a real kiss. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh! Like I thought, like really, in the second to last movie, they're gonna throw in, like a bit of love triangle drama, really? Yeah. There's also a thing where it's just Harry and Hermione on their own for a while, and they definitely have a thing where they're dancing. You're like, hmm, I wonder if they kiss yeah. here. It's like, nope. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm glad I'm gonna be finishing the Harry Potter uh, movies. You know. The only cinematic Harry Potter material that exists. Yeah, you're like, man, I wonder who's going to win, Harry or Voldemort. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but anyways, we can probably move on to Black Swan. Black Swan was a really, really good movie. I We don't get a lot of like horror movies or like scary movies on this list. Um, but it was kind of nice to get one, to get like sort of like a uh, a thriller of sorts. Yeah, um, Black Swan is, it's a film, I watched it for the first time last year, and it was late at night, and I definitely like fell asleep for like a portion just because I was tired, and there's one specific couch in my house where if I lie on it after midnight, I'll fall asleep. But I keep lying there to try and beat that. So it's, <laughs> but, but despite that, I woke like I kind of like woke up and saw the ending. I'm like, this might be one of the best movies I've ever seen. <laughs> and then I watched it again, like in daytime, like a week later. And I'm like, I was right. Like that's how powerful it was. Even like half awake, I was like, absorbing. I'm like, ah, oh, this is good. I'm like, this is even better than my beloved The Social Network. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I am a big fan of sort of um 
of like uh, I don't know what the word is. The ballet. Yeah. <laughs> the ballet can look kind of cool, um, but I really like uh, I don't know what genre it would be, but like movies where like the mental state of like the main character slash in a way narrator is like you don't know what's real. Like everything starts to kind of like fall apart, and like it's it's like it's just so fun. Um, just like you're not sure which events actually happen, which events are real. Um, it's just so it's so fun. Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely a film. I know what you're ta- talking about. Yeah, the the like it is kind of fun when a film throws it at you where you're not sure what you can trust as far as what what's happening it's also like i like like as a pretty creative person like i love movies that are not only just like about you know kind of creative people but the idea of that pursuit of like perfection and the and like this is like a messy film but it's really about her like trying to do this part perfectly so she can like you know so she can hold on to the role and just seek something you know the idea of like people who you know maybe in pursuit of doing like something perfect or maybe sacrificing something vital about themselves yeah and yeah without even maybe realizing what's going on until they're literally like bleeding out because they like stab themselves to like perfectly capture the emotion of the black swan yeah oh my gosh yeah, this movie, it's like, this movie has, like, a lot of stuff, and I feel like this movie has, like, a lot of interpretations. There's, like, a lot of different things to, like, grab with it. There's sort of, like, the the subtle motifs of, like, the like the old and the youthful and sort of, like, replacing people and, like, feeling like you're, you're sort of, like, you, you, there's always that breath down your neck of, like, people out to get you. There's, like, this very anxiety and paranoia. There's, like, I think there's, like, a very, it's not a major part of the movie, but there's, like, a very subtle relationship between, like, the the main character and their mom that, like, the mom was also, like, a ballerina that had to, like, give it up to have her. So, like, maybe there might be a little bit of, like, living vicariously through her. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of, in, yeah, like, it's a lot of, like, interesting stuff thematically going on there, like. Darren Aronofsky, who directed this, is he like this isn't exactly like an outlier for his thing. He also directed Mother, a film I've never seen, but apparently is like insane, and like Noah, which is just as re like he's really good at like doing just this kind of like film films where like I kind of challenge your conception of narrative and are constantly like challenging the audience to just like keep watching and keep trying to figure it out and it makes for some really like i think interesting viewing experiences that can be really satisfying like because it gives you a lot to latch on to or interpret oh yeah exactly um and this movie's like imagery is really really good too um like uh like the or like in like also a really obvious example is like when she sort of grows wings during that one scene, um, and then like her her shadows also have like the wings once it cuts back to like real life, um, and like there's oh and like one of like the oh it's so when she thinks she kills um, 
um, Mila Kunis. And, like, just that whole, it's just, there's so much going on, and, like, you don't know what's real and what's fake. And, like, that is, it It takes a while for, not, I think it takes about halfway for the movie to get to the point where, like, you're starting to really doubt anything that's happening. And then, like, the last 20 minutes, it's, like, it's anyone's guess, like, what's reality, what's happening. And, like, it doesn't even, does it really even matter? Like, there's so much happening. Yeah, I'm like my interpretation has always been that kind of the mo- from the moment she realizes that she had stabbed herself and not like Mila Ku- Kunis or whoever that that like by that point it begins it's like mostly real. But even then, like you're not sure because like it's her mental state is definitely like not in a good good place by by then, but. It is, like, really fun when you're starting to doubt, like, what's going on, which includes the kiss in this film. Yeah, so like, the context of the kiss is that um, Natalie Portman and Mia Kunis, like, go out together. Um, Natalie Portman's character is, like, she's very childlike. Like, she lives with, like, stuffed animals. Like, she lives, like, um, with her mother, and, like, they have, like, a very... Is a very paternal like relationship there, like maybe overbearing even. But like she doesn't her emo she has a very young emotional age, I guess, in this movie. So like her and Mila Kunas like go out for like drinks and stuff. Um and then they come back and they end up like like uh like kissing and having sexual relations. Um but then it's revealed sort of later on that that was, like, that that didn't happen, that, like, Mina Kunis, like, left, she didn't spend the night, um, and, like, that, I think that's, like, one of, like, the first, first times in the movie that, like, you're kind of, like, you're forced to, like, question, like, what's happening, and, like, um, like, what interactions she's having are, like, are legitimate, because, like, they clearly did go out for drinks, but, like, there's certain, it's hard to tell, like, when it switches to, like, her sort of, her delusions a little bit. Yeah, well, and I think, like, part of that, too, is, like, is part of it is the Mila Kunis character offers her, like, ecstasy and as, like, a relaxation thing, and she turns it down, but then she just kind of spiked the drink with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is maybe, like, going in, but, yeah, that is kind of, it is sort of, like, a yeah turning point in where it is sort of just showing her mental state a lot going on, because... Yeah, you know, we don't do as much the plot summaries here anymore, but what is the context? It, it's kind of that Mila Kunis is supposed is positioned as sort of like a younger ballerina who who she is starting to become suspicious about because the idea is Natalie Portman is a bit more seasoned. Also, there is not really that much of an age difference between like Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis. Like, they're like, I think, two years apart in real life, but here I think Mila Kunis is supposed to be just kind of like a younger one while Natalie Portman's character is 28 and kind of getting older for like a professional ballerina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something, cause like, cause it'd be, cause the idea is, or there's another ba- ballerina, like who is kind of, she's originally the principal dancer and she is like, Winona Ryder, who, like, is a bit older and is, I mean, just forced to 
re- retire, and that's what gets Natalie Portman the chance to be kind of the black swan. And, yeah. and the idea with it is, well, well, she's really good at, like, the white swan. Like, she's she's able to do kind of the innocent and fragile white swan, but, like, it's a dual role, and she and the black swan is supposed to be, like, a darker character, and at the beginning of the film, she just does not have that darkness in her, and the film is kind of watching her. The extreme length she goes to, which does include, like, this mental breakdown, I mean, convinced that Mila Kunis is supposed to, yeah, is, like, she is scared that she wants to replace her. Yeah, because, and yeah, because earlier in the movie, like, um, Natalie Portman's character kind of replaces the old Black Swan, who's, like, um, who's portrayed as much older than the other two. Um, so, like, she sort of sees, so that fear is sort of internalized in her that, like, what she did to this, what she did to, I'm trying to remember who, um... Winona, Winona Ryder's character, Bath. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she, what... Who then gets hit by a car. Yeah, like, it's yeah. sort of like this sort of, like, um... But yeah, like the new younger sort of star, sort of usurping the older one. Yeah, and it, it's something where like I don't think it's ever really the case. Though Mila Kunis is definitely like eventually it's kind of messing with her a bit, and then maybe he does have a bit of that jealousy. But yeah, it is kind of just her being becoming increasingly like paranoid, and this this resulting in kind of her having that power to give sort of the performance because. Oh yeah, because part of the thing is Mila Kunis, despite being like younger, is able to be more like free and uninhibited, which is what the Black Swan needs. And I think this goes to what you said of her having a young emotional age. Is she's kind of lives such this sort of sheltered existence that she can do sort of the fragile, like mechanical perfection thing, but she's not able to give it that same kind of soul, at least in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, film is uh, great. If you've only ever, if like me, you had only ever kind of heard of it of, oh yeah, it's kind of the crazy film where Mila Kunis and like Natalie Portman make out and like sleep together, but it's a dream or whatever. Definitely <laughs> give it a watch. I would say there's more going on than that. <laughs> exactly. But that also does happen. So if you're interested in that as well, give it a watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I don't have much else to say about it. It's sort of the, uh, the it's just so good. Like, just give it a watch. Like, there's there's nothing to critique. I had no I had no real notes about it, honestly. Yeah. So I think we can move on. This is this is gonna be like a shorter episode, but for once, it's not because we had to spend half an hour like talking about like uh, content warning <laughs> type stuff. And actually, it'll still be over an hour and a half so i don't know why i'm like shorter episode just in like comparison yeah exactly but (laughs) uh, yeah so what are your movie rankings this week my movie rankings um kind of go as followed i would say it would be um at the bottom we have harry potter part one um i didn't really vibe with it it might be better in comparison with tied with part two but i think even then i don't know if it would move from this place given this year um i think above Mm -hmm. that i would put um twilight eclipse like i really vibed with this one um i super enjoyed this one it feels the least like a twilight movie but it still has like i 
I really need to start. Um, I want to maybe create like a compilation because I do have these video files, like these movies as MP4. So I might just want to make a compilation of like all the times like the dialogue is just so corny and so funny to me. So I can try and like try and represent what I mean when I say that like the dialogue and like the delivery just tickles tickles me pink. Um, and then I think at the top I would have to put. Black Swan with Inception one dream layer below. Um, uh, Black Swan is just this immensely engaging, like it's not super long, but like it is just so. It's it's I, I, I weirdly enough, it's more dreamlike and surreal than Inception, the one about going to dreams within dreams. Um, it feels like more creative than that movie as well. Um, but Inception is still very good, and that's why it's in my my second spot. Yeah, uh, good good rankings. Um, my, mine is going to be similar, except I have Eclipse at the bottom. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of this one, but still, still liking those Twilight franchise overall. Then Harry Potter definitely hollows part one slightly above that. Like, you know, it's it's solid. They're in the forest for a long time. It's you know, a bit different, but it is kind of also, it's these two, like, films that, you, you know, kind of aim at different audiences, kind of just have limitations for being based on books, but when you have, when the other films are like Inception and Black Swan, really, it's not much, not that much else you could put these movies, unless you really hated one of, one or both of Inception or Black Swan, which... <laughs> Inception, I think most people are fine yeah. with, but some people do hate Black Swan a lot, but oh, wow. not me. So, yeah, so Inception above Harry Potter and Black Swan at the top, baby. Like, just love, love, love this film. Um, one of my favorite movies, I think, even though I, you know, you know, even though I just watched it for the first time last year. But how do the kisses do? So for my kisses, I think it's pretty obvious that the bottom is Inception. Um, it's just very quick. It's very sort of like, eh. Um, which, like, honestly, I don't know if, if you're going to have, like, the kind of kiss that they had. There's really no other way to do it. I think if they had, like, a really big emotional one, it would suck me out of a scene that it really shouldn't have. Um, probably should have done, like, a um, the kiss between, like, the... Between... Um, I'm trying to find, find the name just one second. Um, probably like the kiss between uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and um, is it Marin or Marion? Uh, Marion. Yeah, Marion. Um, Cotiller. I'm not sure. Co- it might be Cotillier. Cotillier. It is French. French. That's what I was. I, I think the one rule I remember from French is that you almost never like pronounce the last letter. Um, that's the one rule I took over from English. But yeah, um, that kiss probably would have been a little better. Um, above that one would be the Harry Potter kiss. Um, it's kind of neat, um, but it's also just like kind of like it's cheating. It's like a little cheaty because it's like it's not it's fake. It's not real. It's just like it's apparitions that are like meant to be a certain way. Um, and then I think above that we have the black swan kiss um very like very passionate very cool um 
it's it's also like really scary like the end of it because if i'm if i'm not if i'm remembering right i think the end of it is that like um natalie portman like mila kunis turns into natalie portman by the end and like stabs her or something i remember that scene ending with a bit of a sting and then i've done something a bit weird for my top ones so the kiss that you were talking about i would put third um like the beginning kiss and then the jacob kiss i would put second and then the edward kiss i was thinking about like the one in the in the bedroom when they're talking about like getting married and like how uh, edward's a little old-fashioned i would put that as number one so depending depending on which kiss you choose um either edward or jacob could have won interesting but really edward won right (laughs) (laughs) it depends it depends if we went with your kiss I think Jacob's kiss, like the mountain one, was way more sweeping um, than like the beginning kiss. I would say not by much, but like the kiss later on in the movie definitely beats over over Jacob. If we're doing like first pass to post, I would say that Edward would probably win. Um, yeah, I would say we could probably like if we just take them all as collectives in this case. Oh but... yeah. Oh, if we take them as collectives, I think because of the first kiss, I think Jacob's at like negative five hundred. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's such a bad, awkward kiss. <laughs> yeah. Well, but we'll see. Ben kind of hedging his bets a little to try to appeal to those cha- team Jacob fans. <laughs> Listen, I get it. And there are good arguments for Jacob, just none of them involve Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so for me, yeah, Inception at the bottom, like, love that film, should not be in there. Then Deathly Hollows Part 1, really funny, really weird kiss to include. Like, it's, can 2010 could not have been that bereft of like good kissing films but hey and then i would do yeah the jacob kiss um for eclipse i guess that doesn't leave that much suspense and then black swan and then yeah um i i did kind of quickly revisit like the kiss you were talking about like yeah um during a during a little recording break we had we had there ben and yeah definitely great kiss so once again, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson taking it. Like, so Twilight, for all, for, though they maybe shouldn't have won, like, Best Kiss four times, if you ask me, it's fun that they won it, like, twice. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But I think we, uh, we've reached the end, and it's time for our recommendations of the week. Hey. Um, yeah, so, for my recommendation of the week, it, of course, is Spooky Season, October, and um, for anyone with Disney+, Plus or the means to watch Disney Plus originals elsewhere, Muppet Haunted Mansion was just released, and it's like a very lovely Muppet special. It's about Gonzo um, going to the Haunted Mansion with, uh, with Pepe the King Prawn, and... It is, I've never been to Disneyland, so I've never been in Haunted Mansion, but I guess it is structurally them doing Haunted Mansion stuff. Uh, Will Arnett's there. There's a really good Muppet cover of the song Dancing in the Moonlight. It's, 
and it's just really good and one of the better Muppet like things they've done in some time and yeah, that's what I'm like recommending this week. How about you, Ben? I this was a shorter episode, so I actually have three recommendations. I have a YouTube video, a song, and a video game. Um, so <laughs> the YouTube video, it's sort of I would recommend this game, but it's like it's dead. It's dead and nobody plays it, which sucks. Uh, but there's a YouTube video called Anarchy Reigns Dash Exhibition Parentheses Killer Weapons Comma Super Shots and Mutant Finishers End Parentheses. Um, this game, I love it so much. It was like this online sort of like like arena. I don't know if arena is the right word, but it's like it's just like this third person character action game multiplayer fighting game. Um, they put so much effort into every character. Like every character, there's like a mini game where you play uh, football, like you run the ball and there's like a unique animation for every character kicking it. And like, there's so much effort put into it. And I would just, I would just go watch that and appreciate it and then never play it because nobody's playing it. Um, And then a song I would like to recommend um, is the Dave Oud, so D-A-V-E space A-U-D-E remix of Kesha's Animal. Um, I really enjoy that remix, uh, much more than the original, which is like a really good, um, like sort of tinge as like what makes like a good remix. I would say it almost, it almost acts as a replacement for that song a hundred percent. So if you're a big Kesha, um, animal, the song, not the album fan, bang her up right there. Um, and then my third thing is a video game that, um, uh, I've been playing recently, um, it's called Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Um, it's sort of a spin-off Metal Gear game. Um, uh, I'm going to give you some quotes from it. This game came out in 2016. Or sorry, this game came out in 2013. Um, so there, one of the quotes from like the main antagonist um, is, The weak will be purged and the strongest will thrive. Free to live their free to live lives as they see fit. They'll make America great again. In my new America, people will die for what they believe, not for money, not for oil, not for what they're told is right. Every man is free to fight his own wars. And this is a line delivered by like a like seven foot tall, super jacked senator. <laughs> um, and then another quote from one of the other villains is. The demand for private military companies is about to skyrocket, like the good old days after 9-11. These are actual lines from this video game, and I adore this video game so much. Good, good stuff there. Yeah, um, a, little, a little something for everybody. Yeah. I'm a, I'll also quickly recommend a new video game, if you have the mind to drop on that. The Metroid Dread, which is the last kind of Metroid... Well, it's not going to be the last Metroid game, but it is apparently the last one in the original story arc that began with the original Metroid. It's really hard and really good, and yeah, it's... Sorry, I'm like, oh, if Ben has to do three, I can at least throw in a second <laughs> no, absolutely. one. <laughs> um, but what do you have to plug this week, Ben? Yep, I have to plug my Instagram, not two pence. that is N-O-T underscore two underscore P-E- NS, that's my Instagram, and then my Twitter is at FutAlbi. It is F U T underscore A L B E E. Okay. Oh, great. Cool. 
I realize that she says the same stuff every week, but I always like hearing you spell it out. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at like a Wolverine. I don't spell it out because it's exactly as it like sounds. Um, and then you can find the show on Twitter at Gold Popcorn Pod. You can email us at pastagoldenpopcorn at gmail.com. Our theme song is by Matt Samard. Our artwork is by Ben. And yeah, uh, tell your friends about the show. Rate, review, subscribe, all that jazz. And without further ado, we can probably get into what's coming up next for 2012. The last year a Twilight film got nominated. You might uh, so for Best Kiss 2012. The nominees are Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, Crazy Stupid Love. Emma Watson and Rupert Grint, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows, Part 2. Jennifer Lawrence and Joss Hutcherson, The Hunger Game. Shannon Tatum and Rachel McAdams, The Vow. And the winner. Um, I realize I just gave it away at the beginning, but we knew what it was going to be. Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson. The Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn, Part 1. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm not excited to sit through Hunger Games again. Every every time, I, I've watched it so many times, and I never I never like it. Oh, man. I, I like Hunger Games, like when I was yeah. watching it through, but I'm also... The parts of Hunger Games I like, where I think some people are like, yeah, I'm really into the romance. I'm like, I'm really into the mechanics of how this, like... <laughs> Sinister reality show like <laughs> killing games work. Like, <laughs> that's the part of the series that's like the the yeah, juice. For I, me, I, I would where, probably like, agree. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I read like the prequel book because it's like yeah, it fo- it it follows young Snow and goes behind the scenes as he's a mentor of the Hunger Games. I'm like yeah, I'm sold. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> But also, it's funny, but like three big like YA franchises next week, and then like then a weepy ro- rom com, and then crazy stupid love, which is like its own thing. It's... Oh man, oh that'll be so fun. Yeah, but um, until until then, just yeah, keep passing that golden popcorn, and you know, just remember, Team Edward. This podcast is like officially Team yeah. Edward. Like Listen, it's... send us your emails with your Team Jacob apologia. Um, I so we can throw <laughs> them in the trash and then buy new computers because it's email. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was really aggressive. I'm sorry. Oh uh, yeah. Listen, just... we whatever team you're on, um, I think we can all agree that a more interesting movie than Twilight would just be a movie based around that that one lady that told the story about getting revenge in the wedding dress. Um, I would love yeah. a Twilight little side mini mini movie about that. Wedding dress exactly. girl. A Twilight story. <laughs> oh, oh. Bye-bye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>